Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and Pastor Adam Mosier continue their discussion on the small call articles. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and a faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're on a new batch of four episodes as we continue our march through with the small called Articles. Article one. We're, we're only no, on... Part one. We're only on part one, and we're only on paragraph three. Yeah, article three. Oh, yeah, article three. I get... <laughs> I thought it was uh, article one, article one part no. one, paragraph three. No, we're still on article. This is the third article of part one. This is something we should really, we should fight for. A a universal (laughs) fighting. A a universal way of trying to determine exactly how to reference these. When I was was first learning about and reading the the book of Concord, that was one of my biggest frustrations, right? And uh, anyway, that's that's my yeah. pitch. So anybody out there who wants to do that and, and we really fight for that. F- uh, cage match with Adam from someone who reads the Book of Concord differently. Yes. You want someone who reads Triglata or Tappert or, you know, what do we go? Yeah. We should do various versions. Ooh, or March Cole, Madness. Cole yeah. Blengert. We could have like we could have brackets like you do, Jason, with yeah. your uh, social media accounts. Yeah. Uh, with the songs, you could do the same thing with how should we pronounce this particular? You know, uh, how, how should we delineate weird these? Christian things? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I Brett. Like what yeah. do we got? What What is yeah. this? So you know, this is this is a this batch of episodes. I'm excited about this today. You know, we're we're talking about Christology. And uh, the person of Christ, it's so important uh, to our faith. And, uh, you know, these, this is a type of, uh, these are the type of discussions that uh, maybe people would dismiss as for like the ivory tower, you know, people that aren't, aren't really like everyday Christians. But um, I, I, I'm excited to walk through, you know, the two natures of Christ with you guys and uh, hopefully pronounce things somewhat uh, accurately, We're gonna get especially Latin, next episode. Yeah, yeah Latin, Latin stuff. Latin lessons and a whole lot of what not to do. <laughs> yeah, yep. We're going to let Brett try, and then we'll laugh. And then laugh at Mock me. Mock him yes. severely. Uh, yes. And then we will, we will <laughs> just on, go uh, with whatever he says, because we don't <laughs> want to embarrass ourselves. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's start here, guys. Uh, you know, thinking of the two natures of Christ, you know, why does it matter? And um, yeah, let, let's just start there. Why does it matter to us? Well, Wait, look, did you read it? Yeah, read the content. Oh, sorry, you sorry. Read the content. <laughs> Thanks for keeping my feet to you the fire keep you here. Honest, yeah. Um, all right, so this is from the small called articles. What did you say? Article three, part one, part one, article three, article three. Got it. Um, it's just one line here. It says that the only Son became man, and neither the Father nor the Holy Spirit. And there's probably different translations of that, too. But it says the same thing either way. right? right. And so what this comes down to is the two natures of Christ, but specifically the human nature of Christ and and how that all works itself together. 
Uh, there's been a surprising amount of breakdown in church history on this very article. And we're, we're always trying to do something with Christ that Scripture doesn't allow us to do. And you get into, you know, get into the Arian heresy yeah. if you do this wrong. Nestorianism is really big on screwing up the two natures of Christ. That's a big heresy in church history. But, but you also get into, you know, the, a lot of how we interpret what this means can explain the differences between the Reformed tradition and the Lutheran tradition. There's also some disagreements with the Roman Catholic tradition and the Lutheran tradition. So it's really important for us to hash out that the big key as we start with this article is the word became. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. The second person of the Trinity, uh, the son of God has existed from time eternal. There was never a time when the son of God was not. There was a time in history where the human nature of the son of God did not exist. Mm-hmm. Okay, that does not affect the godhood of Jesus Christ. And now, now that Christ has assumed his human nature, there will not ever be a time when the human nature does not exist. So Christ is fully God and fully man into eternity future. Mm-hmm. So that's what it means when they say became. Yes. Became, uh, and there's a danger in thinking about became in a couple of different ways. One is when we think about became, we think of the beginning, yeah. which there was for the incarnation of Jesus, for the humanity, the human nature of Jesus, there was a beginning, but there was no beginning for him. And so we can't get those two confused. That's a big thing. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting to see the fight over the course of history too. I know we're not going to get into a ton of the history, but you know, in the early church, the, the fight wasn't so much whether or not Jesus was God. That wasn't a question. It was whether or not he was actually man. Mm-hmm. And now we have no problem with the fact that he's a man, <laughs> but everybody's like, yeah, he can't be God yeah. too. Yeah. And, and there, there's a, a lot of fights that go on as a result of yeah. that. And then the problem you run into with trying to maintain this tension is the third fallout from that, either you wrestle with his humanity, you wrestle with his deity, is that you so distinguish the two natures that you end up with two Christs. Yep, two mm-hmm. separate And that's, two separate that's the Jesuses. Nestorian heresy, right? Yep. And so the, 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 in the, it's either in the formula or in the Augsburg Confession. I think it's in the Augsburg Confession. Melanchthon writes at length about we cannot speak about Christ as two boards glued, glued together. Mm-hmm. And in an effort to distinguish the human and the divine natures, two boards glued together is still two boards, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so there's one Christ, but he has two natures. Yeah. One of the fights yeah. that comes up as a part of this too is you can't be both. You can't be 100% man and 100% God like the Christian tradition teaches. And what's the answer to that? Right, yeah, you can. <laughs> the answer to that is okay. I can be a hundred percent dad. I can be a hundred percent dad and a hundred percent human. Uh, I can be a hundred modalism. Or, yeah. I, mean, I, <laughs> I can be a hundred percent dad and a hundred percent husband at the same time because those categories are different. The the two categories. So so if if God and man were the same thing, that could be problematic. But they're not. They're two separate things. And so a person could be a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man. Jesus proves that. And it's the whole thing, the the offense in the church has come down is Luther writes in the large catechism, we are permitted to say that God died. Mm -hmm. Now, God died according to his human nature, but still God died because the human nature and the divine nature are united in the person of Christ. Yep. Yeah. So uh, how much do you guys think this boils down to using our human reasoning and logic too much versus too little or... 
I think this is the perfect place to look at the ministerial versus the magisterial use of reason. The ministerial use of reason puts reason in service to revealed truth uh, so that God tells us the truth and we use our mind to sort it out the best we can, but we're relying on God as the source of the truth. The magisterial use of reason puts everything in service to our reason and so that our reason lords over everything, including scripture and including reality. You, you run into things like refusing to accept miracles because of the magisterial use of reason, things like that. Okay. Yeah, so we, you know, we've talked a, a bit about how Christ became, uh, and so let's, let's transition into this of, of just why, why does it matter for us to believe this, and, and what are some of the implications for uh, believing, uh, thinking in this way about Christ? I think part of it begins, I mean, we have to think of, of the phrase that the book of Hebrews uses when it says that Jesus was like us in every way. Um, there, there's a reason for that. There's a reason that we had to have a Savior who was like us in every way, uh, yet without sin. Um, part of that goes back, I think, to creation, the creation order where Adam was the representative head, Romans 5, you know, that he was the representative of, of humanity, and he failed, right? And so Christ, as the rep representative, the second Adam, as he's sometimes called, uh, had to be a successful where Adam failed, and there's some interesting things in that. If you look at, um, if you look at the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter four, and Luke chapter four, both of those talk about the temptations of Jesus, and as he was tempted in every way, just as we are, uh, we we got to see a couple snapshots of what that temptation for Jesus looked like. And it's kind of neat as, as you look at that, each of those temptations that are used there, you had the turning the stone into bread. Uh, you had the, the going up on the pinnacle of the temple with the, with the temptation to throw oneself off. Uh, and then the temptation to, you know, look out over the world and bow his knee to Satan so that he could have all of that. All of those temptations really harken back to Deuteronomy. And the, the Deuteronomy uh, episodes uh, that Moses recounts for us is exactly what Israel failed to do. So it's all of these ways in which Adam failed, Israel failed, God's people were failing, failing, failing. Here we have God himself coming down to deal with the problem. We saw that I, I myself will come and bring vengeance. And he sees that. We see that in Isaiah 35. We see it in a bunch of different areas. But it, it's, it's amazing that God himself, okay, you guys have messed this up so many times. <laughs> we, are, we are on a, a bad track here. Let me help you. Let me come in. Let me take care of this. I'm going to become like you in every way yet without sin. And, and, and that is when Christ became flesh, right? As he came down to ultimately re reveal himself that way. And there's also that bit in Genesis 22 where God says, uh, God or Abraham, Abraham confesses God will provide for himself the lamb for the sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. but, but you bring up Hebrews, I think it's really important to talk about the divine nature of Christ and the human nature of Christ and why all this is important. goes back to a verse in Hebrews that says, the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. Mm -hmm. And so we, we run into this problem that if something other than us is sacrificed, it doesn't count. You know, it, it, there's just not an even exchange rate, right? And so if, if you sacrifice a bull for the atonement, it, it, it points to a reality, but the reality itself is that that blood does not equal the same value as a human paying the price for their sin. We run into the same exact thing on the other direction. If Jesus is only God, he can't be used, Mm -hmm. it, you know, our blood does not add up to the blood of God. 
But Jesus as a human then, like you said, steps into our shoes and there, there's a brilliant biblical trope, a brilliant Old Testament theme about Jesus standing in and fulfilling all of the gaps where the children of God failed. Adam, uh, you know, you talked about the, the Deuteronomy, the covenant thing going on with the temptation. There's also a one-for-one equivalent with the temptations Jesus experiences in Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. You get the, did the God, did God actually say, yep. uh, you will be just like God, you know, the temptation that the food was good for eating, things like that. That's the same thing. Uh, Jesus steps into Moses' shoes and is the more faithful prophet. Uh, Jesus steps into David's shoes and does not commit adultery mm-hmm. as the king, right? He, he has the bride of Christ. Yeah. Christ is perfectly faithful. All of this is that Jesus steps into our shoes. He fulfills the law for us in our place, and then he dies the death we deserve. And he can't do that if he's not man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's not as if this is a humiliating thing for us. You know, I think about when somebody does this for me, uh, where I mess up all over and over again. And usually like my dad, when I was a kid, he's like, here, let me do that, son. Yeah. And you're like totally ashamed at yourself. Uh, maybe a little bit of uh, therapy here. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can help you, Brett. We're you're both no, I, ordained pastors. You're, yeah. you're good enough. You're smart yeah. enough. And gosh darn it, people like you. No, uh, I love my dad. Uh, but I guess what I'm saying is in those type of moments, we feel like, oh boy, I've messed up and now somebody's got to come and, you know, change my diaper for me, you know, that kind of thing. But it's not like that when Christ comes, uh, he comes in, he comes in, in perf- imperfection. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I don't I'm know. Sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. With, make fun of I me. I messed yeah. up. And so somebody has to come change my yeah. diaper for me. I just, was you th- done messed up good. Uh, I was expecting right. a different illustration. I'm sorry, Brett. I just couldn't keep it in. No, uh, it, but it, it, the reality is it's not just a mm-hmm. messed up scenario because the, the implication is we're being trained by our fathers or by our parents that yeah. we're eventually going to get it right. Yeah, right. The, the situation when it comes to redemption is that we can't get it right, yeah. that we are so utterly yeah. and entirely helpless, that, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And then you skip down to Ephesians 2, was it 2.4 or 2.6? But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive. And so there, no part of this... Yeah is that we're cooperating with Christ or Christ is completing a work that we've begun. And this is another area of the theology where the two natures of Christ come into play that we needed the son of God to be the one to step in our shoes. No one else could do it. Mm-hmm. Brett, yeah. um, your illustration though about is a good illustration. So I don't mean to make fun of I do mean to make fun of you. Actually, that was intentional. I do want to be clear though. It is good. That's I'll that's take a, it. That's yeah. a good perspective of, oh, I, I, I messed up. I got to have somebody else step in. I think of, of the fact that um, I was, I, I've shared this, I think on the podcast about my Scientology experience. Did I ever tell you? Did I ever, have I, I shared I this? I no. Know. Um, so I went to Hollywood with, who's now my wife. We went there, uh, sightseeing one day when we were doing some workout in, in California and we, we went into this down this road, this Scientology center. I don't know what they call it. I'm I'm a church of Scientology, but it's like, it was like a storefront. It was weird. And they were selling books and they let me sit down and and to see how sinful I was or how many engrams, that's the word they use I had. And so I sit down and they had me hold on to these leads and they would ask me questions, which I think were supposed to provoke stress. And so the, I noticed right away that the the little needle that went up on this dial was how you know was based on how strongly I, I gripped these leads. 
And so I, I was there. I was just holding it very lightly, and they're like, mm, mm, oh, yeah, mm. yeah, you, you, do have, you, you do have some engrams. And, uh, yeah, those are the bad things in life, and you want to get rid of them. And Dianetics, our book, Dianetics, for seven ninety nine is the, the way to go. And I said, I said, interesting, you have engrams. I said, so, so you want to help me? And, and I said, uh, but you want me to buy the book? Well, yeah, you, you want to have some skin in the game, right? You want to actually have to, to be able to participate in this. Uh, and, and I said, you know, I, I, I'm a Christian. Oh, you can be a Christian and do this as well. That's, that's fine. It's not, it doesn't work like that. I said, I, I believe Christ paid for my engrams, as you call them. I call them sins. Um, and for me, I, I can't do it no matter how hard I try, you know, all I could try again and again, a hundred times in a row and fail every time, a thousand times in a row, a million times in a row, never, never succeed. But he did for me. And that's where my hope lies. And her response, do you know what it was? Her response goes, she says, don't you want to do something for yourself to know that you are, are part of this? And I was like, wow, man, wow. It, would, it would be nice if I could, but boy, I can't, I just can't do it. Yeah, well, that's the human, sinful human nature coming out, right? Wow. It, I, I just want to say to that story, I prefer honeygrams to engrams <laughs> much better. <laughs> well, the book, it just looks so hokey. If I'm going to spend seven ninety nine on a book, I want it to be uh, have a cool cover. It didn't even have that. So it's disappointing in yeah. every way. It was a disappointing stop. You weren't buying Elrond stuff, huh? No. I did play him in a play once, though. You played Elrond Hubbard in I a play? I played Elrond Hubbard in a play in college. Wow. That's a story for another time. Well, <laughs> I don't even know where to go from uh, there. We're not we, done. We got to go from that. No, it was in Godspell. Are you familiar with the play Godspell? I was in Godspell in college, and they—they—it's the only time I, uh, the last time I sang a solo was L. Ron Hubbard, and I, I remember singing. That's false because you. Nothing is true <laughs> unless observed by you. Or something like that. Now I did it. See, I sing on the show. I have you, sung you, solos you have here. Because you sang Kyrie Eleison for us. That's a oh, good yes. song, though. Yes. you got to give me some credit <laughs> yeah, for that yeah. one. I, I learned about that song that day. Yeah, well, so let's let's land the plane here. <laughs> Please. Uh, How did we yes. get to L. Ron uh, Hubbard again? Uh, oh, yes. Grams. Yeah, in in Golden Grams. Yes. So, you know, as we, we talk about the two natures in Christ, um, you know, there are definitely differences among Christians. Uh, as we wrap up here and before we get into the next section here, um, Jason, what are some of the major differences between Reformed, Catholic, uh, maybe other groups that uh, come up in this discussion? So the big difference here between us and the Reformed centers mostly on Holy Communion. And so the Reformed will confess that for us to receive Christ's body and blood, it has to be a spiritual experience because Jesus' body and blood are with him in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And so that Jesus cannot be in more than one place at one time. And obviously, when the church is serving communion, especially on Sunday mornings, there's millions of Lord's Supper being served to millions of Christians. And, and so Reformed doctrine would say that that's not possible. And so we, by our faith at the altar, ascend to heaven and receive Christ spiritually. And the Lutheran answer to that is that's not how the body of Christ works because of the communication of attributes. Mm -hmm. So that Christ can be in mm -hmm. multiple places at multiple times because he's God. He's also the God who is man, but because he's God, he can do that. And so one of the distinctions is the right hand of God is not a location, it's a title. 
is Jesus is the expression of God's power. So that's one thing we would talk about. The other thing, just evidentially speaking, is that uh, we know that Jesus' flesh after the resurrection behaves in a different manner than what is typical, that after he rose again from the dead, Jesus entered a room without opening doors. But yet he was able to be touched. Yeah. He was able to be seen. Yeah. He was able to partake food. But yet there's something different. There's the, something... The, the resurrected flesh is different. Now, the, 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 the flesh that Christ has is both fully human, but it's also different because he's fully God. And so the next episode, we're going to be talking about the communication of attributes. We're going to get into some very technical terminology, but it's all precise for a reason mm-hmm. because of what we need to be confessing about who Christ is for our own comfort. And, and this is where... You know, you you open the episode by talking about the ivory tower academics and stuff. Yeah. Uh, This is a great example of something that's pretty detailed, articulate, maybe we'd even say advanced theology, but confessed rightly, it provides us with assurance of salvation. It provides us with comfort. And that's the whole Lutheran distinction on this. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, tune in next time as we get into those, those, uh, yeah, advanced theological things uh, as we grow in this. Um, yeah, any closing thoughts, Adam, to wrap up? No, I just I, I just like what, what Jason said there, and uh, just specifically thinking about what, what it means for the Lord's Supper. There's very practical realities mm-hmm. in this doctrine that we are uh, comforted by, that he was like us in every way, that he is really present in, with, and under the elements at communion, uh, that, that we have a brother who understands our weaknesses and one who's willing to call us not just a brother, but a friend. And that's, uh, that's something that, that Christ in his humanity uh, can, can say, but in his deity we have, I mean, it just blows that whole story wide open. So encouraging doctrine, a lot of fun. Fun. I'm sorry I laughed at you, Brett. That's all right. No. But God is good. good. I'm thrilled that you laughed at him. <laughs> I'm glad. Thank you, Jason. Brett, uh, take us. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, let me read Hebrews 4, uh, 14 through 16 as we close this episode. Kind of doing what uh, Brian used to do, the ending... Uh, we love you, Brian. Yeah, the, the Bible verse at the end. Uh, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Students grades 9 through 12 are invited to campus days at the Free Lutheran Bible College in Plymouth, Minnesota, April 14th and April 15th. Guests will sit in on sample classes, tour the campus, meet future classmates, and hear how God's Word provides a firm foundation for life. Register online at flbc.edu slash campus days. God bless you and have a great week.